new series on virtues, and virtues that maybe the world has forgotten, and maybe even us have forgotten. Because we we talk about uh, virtues, and we talk about the world, but where do we have to start if we want the world to look better? Yeah, with us. It starts in the home, it starts at the house, you've got to take care of yourself first, right? Even... Uh, even we talked about that last week with Paul and the Ephesian elders there talking about, you know, take care of yourselves and all of the flock. Take care of yourself first. So here we're going to talk about things that you all know about anyway, but I wanted to remind you, just like Peter says, I'm just going to remind you of some things. And we're going to remind each other of some things here about honor. And when I get done reminding you this morning, you can remind me on the way out the door what I missed about reminding you. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, too, about each individual topic as you leave. If you've got thoughts about this honor, I want to hear about it. I want to hear about your thoughts on honor. You know, we're over in Mark, right? Mark chapter 6. That's where we start. Mark chapter 6, what do we see? You see Jesus, don't you? And you see the typical treatment of Jesus by these people, by human beings, maybe even by us if we were there at the time. Mark 6, 1 through 4. Talks about Jesus, and he begins to teach there in verse 2. And everybody was listening. They were astonished. Where did this man come from? Where did he get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? Now, I'm not so sure that this was wisdom like, oh, man, isn't he amazing? It's more like this local boy has made good. And who in the world is he? I know he came from here. He's not any better than me. He's not any better than you. I saw him grow up. In fact, I got furniture in, in my house that he helped make. I know all about this guy. He's not that big a deal. Is this not the carpenter's son? That's what they say in verse 3. Isn't this, we know this guy. We know this kid. He's not that big of a deal. Oh, boy. No honor. Jesus says, I'm not getting any honor here. Verse 4. Prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. Do you guys ever see that disdain for yourself in your hometown? Yeah? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I was going to, I swore to myself I'd remember that phrase, but I, I done forgot it. So. Can we remind you on the way out? Yeah, somebody remind me of the phrase I was thinking of right there, because it was a good one. Yeah. That's, that's my head, right? That's my head. All right. Anyway, Jesus here, go back to chapter 3 of Mark. Oh, that, that's what, familiarity breeds contempt. That was, the, that was the phrase that I was looking for. Familiarity breeds contempt. And, you know, it, it kind of smells to me like in Mark 6, we get some familiarity here with the family and, and, the, and Jesus himself. I know where he comes from. He's not that big of a deal. I know where he comes from. I know his family. I know all about him. Look at chapter 3, verse 21. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 21. I go back to verse 20. And he came home, and the multitude gathered again to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal. And when his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of him, for they were saying, he has lost his senses. Now, they're talking about Jesus here, right? He, they, they come and, and try to grab him because he's gone crazy. He's, he doesn't know what he's doing. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebul. And he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. And he called them to himself and began speaking to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? 
And if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But he is finished. Now, just stopping there. Does that sound like a man who has lost his senses to you? He sounds pretty, pretty sane to me. He sounds pretty put together to me. But these guys, his own people, and even I think the scribes and all these people, they're thinking, this guy's he's out there. He's kind of lost his senses. And I don't, he didn't get any honor from his own people. John chapter 1, what does it say when he comes? His own rejected him. The creation is rejecting the creator. The creator comes in human flesh and the creation itself says, no, thank you. Mark chapter 6, that's what's happening there with Jesus. And he performs miracles here, but he's, what does it say about his performing miracles here? He could not do, in verse 5, he could not... And he could do no miracles, excuse me, there except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their disbelief or unbelief. And he was going around the villages teaching. Now, that's always interested me, the fact that he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. Why could he do no miracle there? Was it because Jesus was unable to do miracles, period? Yeah. He can do miracles anywhere he wants to, can he? He's, he's Jesus, after all, right? <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. What's the problem here? There you go. It, Jesus does miracles in the context of faith. What's the problem here is, is that pe- these people are, yeah, the majority of these people, why, why are you going to waste your miracles here where they're going to be misinterpreted, misunderstood, there's, there's no reason to be doing these here. He heals a few. But there's no reason to be, be doing what he needs to be doing here because there is no faith here. There's no faith. He's not going to be doing miracles here. He's not going to waste his time there. Go back to chapter 1 in this same book. 22. Uh, well, let's start at 21 again here. 21 of chapter 1. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Oops, yep, there we go. And just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, saying, What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came to him. And they were all amazed, so that they debated amongst themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately the news about him went out everywhere into the all, all the surrounding district of Galilee. Now, it says they're amazed. It says they're, they're amazed at his teaching. They've acknowledged the good work. But where's the faith? I'm not sure the faith is there either. I can see the good work. And you're doing something amazing. And you're teaching amazingly. You're not teaching like the scribes. But there is no real basis of faith with these people, with the Pharisees, with the scribes. They're missing the basis of faith. They might be amazed at the teaching. They might be amazed at the miracles. But that fundamental fact of, I believe you are who you say you are, is missing. And therefore, I'm not doing any miracles here. I don't have any honor here. You don't choose to honor me. Therefore, I'm not going to be doing my work here. 
even if you go over to the next chapter, in chapter 7, look at chapter 7 of Mark, talking about honor again. He goes from, in chapter 6, being treated like this in his hometown, to the beginning of chapter 7, where the Pharisees and the scribes are gathered together. And you, you all know this story about them and the money and Corbin and all this. The Pharisees see his disciples doing something that they don't agree with. They're eating with impure hands, unwashed hands. And it says there in verse 3, kind of gives us this backstory of why they'd be upset. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of their elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. There's some good backstory that Mark gives us to why the Pharisees and the scribes are irritated. So they ask him, because of this, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, the people honors me with the lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines, doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the, to the tradition of men. He was saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. And now look at this. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, anything of mine I might have been helped, or might, of mine you might have been helped by, is Corbin. That is to say, given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. This is not the only thing, he's saying, where you invalidate God's word by holding on to your tradition. One of the other ways would be that same washing stuff. But here he's saying, you know, honor your father or mother. That's a basic thing that God asks you to do. And you can't even do that because you are working yourselves around this Corbin there, this temple treasury, that, that you can dedicate this money. In fact, Josephus mentions about this, this temple treasury, and, and you can dedicate it to the temple, but it's also dedicated to not religious things. It's dedicated to streets, or not streets, but uh, you know, general, general things that are not religious-orientated. But what Jesus is saying here is, is you, you're helping out your, you could be helping out your father and mother. You could be doing what God is asking you to do with your father and your mother, but instead you decide to say, this is Corbin, this is set aside to God. But in reality, that which you say is set aside to God is not really set aside to God. It's just your tradition. It's just something you've made up. It's just something you've done to make a loophole in God's word. Honor is a big problem. Would you agree with me that honor is a big problem in this country? Yes. It's probably a big problem in this world, but since I live in this country, I'm more familiar with this country. But I think honor is a big problem in this country itself. That we have, we have stopped treating honor or giving honor the way we should give honor in a general sense. And you could probably list a whole bunch of different examples as to where, especially if you remember it growing up, certain areas of your life where that was, that was honor. I gave honor doing that, and that doesn't happen anymore. One of the things for me that I remember is saying Mr. and Mrs. When I was a child, my parents made me say Mr. and Mrs. all the time. In fact, when I became an adult, it was hard to call some people by their first names. When I graduated to adulthood, to be able to call them by their first name because I was saying Mr. and Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Excuse me. But what do the kids say today now? It's, a lot of times it's on first name basis with your 
with your adults. It's, it's like you're on the same level. And I'm saying, no, there, there's a bit of honor here that I need to give. And there's a bit of honor that should be given. There should be a Mr. and Mrs. there. That's honor that you're giving that other person. You're honoring that person. Just by, just by that little thing, I think, that our, our country has kind of laxed on honor. So in, in this forgotten values or needed values here, we're going to look at honor. And the first thing we're going to look at is what Jesus points out in Mark 7. is about honoring your father and mother. That's a basic commandment here, isn't it? A basic commandment of God. Honor your father and mother. It's found in Exodus 20, and it's found in Ephesians 6. It's, it's repeated in the, in the New Testament. It's, it's all over the Bible. It's honor your father and mother. Why? Why do we honor our father and our mother? I want to read you a quote that I got from a guy called Alistair Begg. There is a, he, he says this very nicely, and I, I want to read it for you. He says, parental authority is indispensable to a stable society. Through the ages, virtually all civilizations have recognized this truth. From the beginning, God placed mankind in families, establishing this relational unit as a building block of society. Parents were to be responsible for their children, and children were to submit to the authority of their parents. This natural law finds expression in the fifth commandment of God's revealed law. It is no exaggeration to say that the well-being of a person, people, or nation begins in the home. I, I think he sums that up pretty well. I think he sums up you know, what God was going for there. He, he's establishing a basis of, of this, this faith, a basis of all these things, and establishing the family there. We talked about that this morning in class, establishing marriage in Genesis, giving us the building blocks of society. This is a part of society. This is a part of the building blocks of society. When families break down, what happens to the country? The country starts to break down. We, it, it's a problem. It's a problem, and, and we need to honor fathers and mothers. And when do you stop honoring fathers and mothers? Never. Even when they're old and you're grown up, I still honor my mother and father. In fact, we, we, uh, we had a little mishap on Christmas with our family. We, we all draw names to give gifts because we're you know, not a rich family, so we don't buy gifts for everybody. Y'all don't pay me enough, so I can't buy gifts for everybody. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I'm sorry. Just kidding. And so we, we draw names, and we all had our names, and a mistake happened. My mom didn't get a gift. However it happened, and we all have our suspicions how it happened. But I won't go into that. But however it happened, however it happened... She didn't get a gift. And when we found out about it, because what do mothers do when, they get, when that happens to a mother? Does she immediately say, oh, y- y'all forgot me. What's, what's wrong with you? No, they're, they're quiet, aren't they? They don't, they don't say anything. She's, okay, it's okay. It's okay. I don't need a gift. Of course you don't need a gift, Mom, but this is honoring it. We're honoring each other with gifts. It just, it's not right, to, especially after you find out about it. But you... The irritating part is moms don't tell you those things. you got to find out about a third hand. And then you feel even worse, right? Because you found out about it from somebody else. But anyway, we, we decided we can't let that stand. we got to fix that. we got to give her a gift. So we, we gave her a gift late. But we gave her a gift because it just didn't feel right not to honor my mother with a gift. No matter how it happened, it needed to happen. 
that's part of that honoring, I think, even in, in my family. If, if we dishonor you in that way, and it's just a stupid gift, right? But it means more than just what you're handing them. It's, it's more than that. There's a deeper meaning. It's loving each other. It's honoring each other. It's saying that you are worth a value. There's a value to you. There's a value to you placed by God, and I honor that, and I value that. In fact, Luke chapter 15 when you go over to Luke 15, and God, or Jesus, is talking about the prodigal son there in Luke 15. You know what the prodigal son is really saying to his father when he's saying, I want my inheritance? We've talked about that before. He's saying, boy, I wish you were dead so I could have my inheritance. That is not honor. He's, he's dishonoring his father right to his face. He's dishonoring him. Everybody's going to know that his son has dishonored him. It's, it's a huge dishonor. But what does that father do? Like a good father, he loves him, he waits for him, he's welcoming him back. But that, that's kind of that, that dishonor here in Luke chapter 15. That's that honor, or dishonor, excuse me, in Mark chapter 7. That's that dishonor in Mark chapter 6. That they're not honoring Jesus. I don't value you at all. And Jesus is saying, if you don't even value your mother and father, you don't value God either. You can't place your mother and father above yourself. You, you have a problem with God here because God says you need to value your mother and father. You need to honor your mother and father. It's not just lip service like in Mark chapter 7. I love God. I'm going to dedicate this money to God and not help my mom and dad. No, it's not just lip service. This is honor. This is something deeper. This is a part of your faith. This is a part of doing what God is asking you to do. Honor your father and mother. That's the first thing that we need to do as Christians. The second thing we need to do is Honor those in authority. Romans chapter 13, of course, talking about honoring those in authority. Go over to Romans 13 if you want. It's just one verse I'm going to read there in verse 7. Romans 13. He's talking about this God-governed, god gifted authority here, and, and that God is placing these people, these things in authority. And in verse 7, he kind of sums up, saying, Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest with you for just a second, and get political just for a second. I didn't vote for Obama. But if Obama walked through the doors... He's still my president. I would honor him because he's my president. I may not agree with him politically, but I honor the man because he's my president. I don't necessarily like everything Trump did or does. It maybe do. But I'm still going to honor this man because he is now president-elect Trump. There, there's, there's something beyond just the man. There's something beyond. God is saying, you don't like the government? I can understand that. But you still honor those that are in authority. And who is he writing to here? Who are they going to have to do this honor to? I think they had it a lot better or a lot harder than I have it in honoring those who are above them in government at this point. Nero, these people that they could make their heart, their life extremely hard. He's saying, you need to honor them because I've placed them in authority. I'm going to use them. I'm going to, I'm going to use them for my purpose. But you honor those who are there. Government has been placed by God. I honor those. I mean, how many people here played sports? Anybody play sports growing up? 
Do you honor your coach? That coach is worth honor, isn't he? Yeah. You don't disrespect your coach. You, yes, coach. You, you do what he says. There's honor there because he has this authority. Because he has, And maybe it's positional authority here. Maybe not just relational authority, but positional authority. But I honor that authority because it's given here by God. I, I like, I told you before that when I'm working out, I like to listen to, to Christian rap a lot. I'm going I'm to quote you a line from this, um, I can't remember which guy it is, but it, it kind of sums this thought up. He says, if you can't follow, you can never lead. And you don't run a thing until you're running to the king. And who follows me, or who I follow, is who they follow when they follow me. A real man bows down to authority. I, I like that idea. If you can't follow, you can never lead. You've got to understand what it is to follow. You've got to understand what it is to submit to authority before you can lead. This lack of honor, this, this lack of honor in this country today comes a lot from dishonoring those who are in authority, whether we like them or not. We have ways to address problems, but we still need to honor those in authority. This world lacks that honor. And as Christians, I think we should be one of the first ones to show that honor. Not only to our parents, but to those ruling in authority. Whether we like them or not. They are God-given authority figures. And that's the way God set it up. So we've got honoring your father and mother. We've got honoring the government. And one of the other ones, of course, we're not going to touch on all of them, is honoring other people. Anybody meet that person in church? I've probably been that person in church before because I've been irritated by things or people and, and talked bad about people. And maybe you have too, or maybe you've sat next to a person like this or been invited to sit, to a person, sit next to a person like this. Well, we, can, we can start fights with each other so quickly, can't we? Over the dumbest things and the things that could be taken care of so easily if we just actually talk to each other and honor each other by talking to each other, but instead we don't talk to each other. We don't honor each other. In fact, Back in Romans chapter 12, over there in Romans again, chapter 12, verse 10, Paul writes about that, honoring each other. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. That giving preference to one another is that tender love, that tender affection for one another. We need to love each other tenderly, so tenderly that I am going to honor you, I'm going to place you above me. I'm not going to be the person that says, if you've got something bad to say, I'd like to hear it because I'd like to repeat it. Or I'd like to just dwell with you in this bad. No. We're the people that honor others above themselves. And that includes people that do small things here. And that brings to mind things about even Facebook that we're, we're starting, you know, trying to get our Facebook stuff together. And this week we're going to have on there somebody who's, who deserves honor, but not necessarily like somebody like me who's up here all the time in front of you, but somebody who's doing things, you know, un under the radar. But they deserve as much honor as I do. People that, that we value because of who they are and what they do, we value them more than ourselves. Go over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Paul talks about this honor here. <clears throat> In verse 3, kind of 
the same thought or a similar thought as Romans chapter 12.10. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Why? Because I'm trying to have the mind of Christ. And what did Christ do? He did this same thing. And he's calling me to do the same thing. In fact, go over to Leviticus and see a similar thing. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 32. Here he's talking about honoring a certain age group. But I don't think God limits it just to the gray-headed here. But he uses them as an example. Verse 32, you shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God, I am the Lord. You know, that if I can't honor my brother and sister, if I can't treat them with the same love and the same preference, then I again have a problem with God. It's the same thought in John or 1 John where he's talking about loving your brother. If you can't love your brother whom you can see, how can you love God whom you can't see? It's the same thing between husbands and wives. If I have a problem with my wife, then I've got a problem with God. If my wife has a problem with me, then I've got a problem with God. Or she's got a problem with God. We, we are interdependent here on our relationship. We are, we are made to be together. Not just husband and wife, but us brother and brother and sister and sister. We are made to be together. Darren pointed that out again this morning, that we are relational people there in chapter 2 of Genesis. That God is making us for a relationship. And when he was going through that, it struck, struck me that God is saying, it's not good for man to be alone. Wouldn't you think that if you got God, that's all you need? But God himself is saying, man needs a woman. He needs another human being with him. Not just me, but he needs another human being with him. There there is something about the relationship between man and woman and man and man that God is saying, you need this. You are relational people. You need this relationship. You need to honor each other. You need to love each other. They tell you to honor the widows that are widows indeed. tells you to do all of that. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, talking about honoring each other. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. Here Peter kind of sums it up in a very brief sentence. Honor all men. There, there you go. It's, it's not even just restricted to the brotherhood. He's saying honor all men. That person out there on the street, honor him, honor her. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the king. And that kind of sums it all up. Honor every single person. Why? Because God created every single person. God loves every single person. God desires that every single person should come to the knowledge of the truth. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Don't be like this lady here or this person here that wants to just make fun of people. Stab people in the back. Honor each other. Because if we can't honor each other here, then we're going to be ineffective everywhere else and we're not going to grow we're not going to and people come here and they see people stabbing each other in the back or hurting each other there's no reason to stay here honestly because you can get enough of that everywhere else this needs to be a place we need to be a people no matter where we are a people who love each other honor each other because god says honor each other the last one here after we've honored our parents after we've honored those in authority and after we've honored all men is to honor God. And I put that one last, although you're probably thinking in your head, well, that, that should be first. And yeah, you're right. That should be first. Because 
If we honor God, if we truly honor God, then what are we going to do? We're going to do, yeah, we're going to do all the rest. And that, that's what he's saying in Mark 7. You know, if you really honored me, if you really honored your father, like you're saying you do, then you would be honoring your mother and father. And, and everything else hangs on this. For us, for Christians, everything hangs on honoring God. Above all others, honor God. I want to share one verse with you there in Psalm chapter 22. In verse 23. Now let me, let me go back to 22 and I'm going to read all the way to 24. But 23 is the, the focal point here. 22 says, I will tell of thy name to my brethren. In the midst of your assembly, or the assembly, I will praise thee. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. You honor him, fear him, stand in awe of him. Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 6, 1 through 4. Is he really just a carpenter? No. We know he's not just a carpenter. They are not understanding that he's not just a carpenter. But that's what he's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come back after a second here because I've, I've got a, a video that I, that I want you to watch. It's an excerpt from a sermon. Uh, was it uh, S.M. Lockridge, I think, is the name. S.M. Lockridge is the guy who preached this sermon. And it's just a tiny excerpt from it. But it, it, it is a powerful piece about honoring God, about who he is. And when I listen to it, it sends chills up my spine just because of the, the emphasis that it, I mean, I wish I could preach like this guy. He's, it's, it's an awesome piece of, of audio about our God and about honoring our God. And I want you to, I want you to think, as, as, he's, as he's saying these things, I need you to, to, to really listen to it. I need you to let yourself kind of, I don't know, hear it. I guess. And, and I know you won't have time to, to ruminate on it and chew on it, but I need you to kind of just lose yourself for a second in this audio and hear what he's saying about our Heavenly Father. It's about five minutes long. So we're going to do that, and then I want to, I want to show you what, this is really, what, what really is happening here in Mark chapter 6. The Bible says he's a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now that's my king. David said the heavens declare the glory of God. And the fundament showeth his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his soulless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. 
He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially mythical. That's my king. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's a fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. Yeah. That's my king. My king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Well, I wish I could describe him to you, but he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yes. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heaven cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Yeah! He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor. 
and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my point. is the kingdom and the power and the glory the glory is all his thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and when you get through with all of the forever then amen man what'd you think about that that is awesome isn't it man I wish I could preach like that. That is awesome. But that, that is the God that we serve. Oh, indescribable. I love it when he says, I wish I could describe him to you. It's, man, that's the God that we serve. And that's the God that is standing right in front of them in Mark chapter 6. But he's also the God that stands right in front of us today. So Mark chapter 6, what is really happening here? Man, I think what is happening here is they are missing something very big. What this story is here in the first four verses and a little bit beyond Mark 6 is a story about hidden value. There is a hidden value here that the people can't see. There is a hidden value in what he's trying to do and what he's trying to teach them, but they can't see this hidden value and it's standing right in front of their face. The Pharisees couldn't see it. The Sadducees couldn't see it. His disciples couldn't see it. They can't see it. And sometimes we can't even see it. This hidden value that is standing right in front of them. I want to share with you a story about hidden value. This woman... Talking about honor and talking about hidden value. In 1976, the Apple company built a computer. 20th century, an online auction featuring a vintage products from this, this Apple computer stuff here went for a high value. This uh, recli- uh, recycling center in Silicon Valley is looking for a woman, or was looking for a woman, who dropped off an Apple computer that turned out to be a collectible item worth $200,000. It's that that thing sitting right there that's worth $200,000. The computer was inside boxes of electronics that she had cleaned out from her garage after her husband died. She didn't want a tax receipt or leave, she didn't leave her contact information, it wasn't until a few weeks later that the workers opened the box to discover this Apple One computer inside. It was one of only about 200 first-generation desktop computers assembled by Steve Jobs, and they couldn't believe their eyes. They said they thought it was fake. The recycling firm sold the Apple One for 200000 to a private collection because the company gives 50% of its items sold back to the original owner. They wanted to find this lady and give her the money. But can you imagine having this, this thing in your collection? It's hidden value. She had no use for it, didn't value it at all. Her husband valued it for some reason, whatever reason. Maybe he knew what it was. Maybe he didn't. But she didn't. It wasn't anything to her. Completely hidden value. Somebody else knew the value of that. There's a lot of stories like that. A guy carrying around a coin. Sold for a big amount of money. It was his lucky coin. Didn't mean anything to him but a lucky coin. But to somebody else who knows the true value of that coin, it's worth millions of dollars. The 
Babe Ruth bat that a woman had was given by this guy she was taking care of. She put it under his, her bed for years because it was just a bat that he gave her. She valued it only because he gave it to her. It sold for $1.3 million when she finally tried to get rid of it, and she found out what it was too. $1.3 million under her bed. 200000 in this woman's box. Hidden value right in front of their eyes, just like Mark chapter 6. Hidden value right in front of their eyes. Millions worth more than millions of dollars in Mark chapter 6. Chip talked about that door this morning, that door to the heart. But there's also the door that we need to talk about this morning. The door is standing right in front of them in Mark chapter 6. The door that leads to eternal life. But they don't honor that door. They don't recognize the value. Do you recognize the value of that door? Do you honor that door? Because if we honor the door, then we honor our family. We honor those in authority. We honor each other. But it hangs, I think, on honoring God himself. If we truly honor God, then we honor all the other things that he's asking us to honor. But we need to honor him first. This morning, I'm sure I've just reminded you of some things of honor. and You know these things already. You could probably school me in honor since I'm such a young kid. Yeah, I'm young. I may not look it, but I'm young. I'm young. It's all relative, right? It's all relative. What do you honor this morning? Do you honor things that you can hold and touch? Do you honor the door? Do you honor God? It all hangs on that. Where do you place your honor? This world needs to start placing its honor. This country needs to start placing its honor on God. Honor Him first. Honor Him best. And the rest follows. What are you going to honor today? If you don't honor God, if you have trouble with that, if you want to know Him more, we're here to help you. If you need prayers, again, the connection cards are, there's a space for your prayers, but if you want to come forward as we stand and sing too, you can come forward and we can pray with you here. If you need help, if you need the prayers of the body, won't you come forward today and honor Him today as we stand and sing.